Hey friends, let's go back to the 90s with our new book, Mixtape Theology, 90s Christian Edition. It's part devotional, part retrospective, and all awesome. Rediscover the wonder of songs like The Great Adventure and Jesus Freak as you uncover their spiritual significance. But you know, we couldn't just give you a book without some 90s Christian cheese. We've included some original comics and hilarious retrospectives. Michael Tate of Newsboys and DC Talk calls mixtape theology the ultimate nostalgic throwback, and Michael W. Smith calls it a great read. Mixtape theology will have you falling in love with these songs and the gospel all over again. It's nostalgia served with a side of renewed faith, and it's available now at Amazon and Walmart.com. Now, back to the podcast. Welcome to the Mixtape Theology Podcast. This is Dr. Ashley, and I'm your host. I'm glad that you've joined us today. Here at Mixtape Theology, me and my partner, Rachel Cash, love 90s contemporary Christian music. We love to dig into our favorite songs, look at the theology of those songs, see how we've grown in our faith through the years as we reminisce on those songs, as well as just uh, reminisce on the culture and the things that we were doing, whether it's wearing WWJD bracelets or rolling up our jeans. Uh, we were there and sometimes we kind of think, what were we doing? And uh, But it, it's a lot of fun. And so um, that's what we do here. I'm glad you've joined us for this podcast. And uh, I'm excited about today's podcast as um, we are really going to be taking a stroll down memory lane as we are going to take a journey back to camp. Yes, that's right. Back to camp. Now, I know that church camp is not strictly a, a 90s thing per se, but a lot of you have this common experience. So we found our tribe that all grew up in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s have a lot of these common experiences. So we thought it would be fun to talk about our experiences, uh, tell some stories, what we learned, what we did right, what we could do better, and uh, just take you along with us on this journey. I've got a couple of great guests today that are good friends of mine, and I want to introduce those to you, a couple of camp experts. And the so first I have Thomas Rose, and Thomas is a 30-year-plus veteran of church camp. He has served as a camp worship pastor. He is on staff with Barefoot Republic Camp in Kentucky. Um, can't, uh, Thomas is also an artist in his own right, a great percussionist and uh, vocalist, worship pastor in church settings, and even, um, Thomas, your stuff's still out there, Rose Factor. Uh, back in the day, I used to know you as different shades of red, and now you Come guys on now. As, the, as the Rose Factor. Is that still find your stuff out there? Yes, sir. That's exactly right. All right. And and Thomas serves in North Nashville, Um with the uh, what's what's the name of the ministry that you're working with now, Thomas? Now called Dream Street. So we're Dream Streets North. All right, and uh, and you know, and also for for you for our '90s fans out there, Thomas even worked with artists. Um, and this is about as '90s as it gets in a place called Rocket Town. Some of y'all <laughs> might have even heard of that. You know, we got a lot of Smitty fans, so they're going to know the name Rocket Town. Thomas, thank right. you for joining us. Um, and I'm really glad glad to have you here on this podcast. 
Man, so glad to be here. And uh, just to think I met you at camp that many years ago, you know, depending on when you came. So that's awesome. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I think it's almost, it was about 19 years ago, man. So the, mm-hmm. yeah, we're getting old. Um, so, <laughs> and, and so I want to introduce our uh, next panelist, if you will, or just my, my friend that I brought in this discussion, Mr. Gary Morgan. And uh, Gary is a um, on staff at First Baptist Church, downtown Nashville. But Gary has also served in camp settings and leadership as a camp pastor um, for uh, well over 30 years himself. Uh, got a lot of experience there. And um, and so I know there's times when my own church went, Gary was our camp pastor, as well as I met Thomas um, as a worship pastor. And so Gary, uh, I've already made this joke before we started recording. You're kind of the senior one of us three, right? Um, so you're really going to bring in the the wisdom and keep us, um, you know, responsible. And you're going to be the spiritual leader of this group, right? That would be true. That would be true. I often avoid the senior title. That means geezer is what it means. But I'm I'm getting so old, I'm coming to just accept it. You know, I'm not correcting on the Mr. Gary or Mr. Morgan anymore. I just kind of roll with it and go, okay, it, it is what it is. You don't look a year older than the one I met you, though, man. So I need to jump on that diet that you're on, man. I appreciate that, Thomas. Dinner Friday night on me, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, these guys, between those two and even myself, um, you know, we've got – 60, 70 years of camp experience here between us three, and we thought we could maybe talk about some fun stories and what we've learned, and it really doesn't get much more nostalgic than church camp. I mean, whether you're on the church van or the bus, um, the music that you were listening to while you were on the way or the worship songs that that really uh, grabbed your heart while you were there, um, you know, something that, you know, if you were a youth pastor, one of the challenges with your students, but the relationships, some of them good and some of them of the opposite sex that you made on camp, the the PDA that was going or on or shouldn't have been going on um, at church camp. And of course, the, the sleepless nights, the worship, the, the crazy games, all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, so I want to talk about some of that, but, you know, even on top of that, um, and maybe we'll just go right here first. Um, you know, it's easy for us to see camp. Sometimes people, we talk about the the camp experience, the, the, the camp high. And so someone that's been on camp staffs, y'all probably know that phrase very well, that terminology, and that, you know, you kind of have this, this high, but then it leaves you and then you just go and wait a year to get it again. But the reality is a lot of people come to know the Lord like, as a believer for the first time, that's their testimony. They find Jesus at camp. You guys seen some life changes through the years? Yeah. You know, they call it that mountaintop experience, you know, like that, that uh, Moses on the mountaintop seeing God in a, absolutely, man. Uh, You know, camp has been a a tremendous place um, for us to be able to see students come to, to know Jesus for the first time. So um, that's why we, uh, that's why I've been a part of it for so long, just seeing uh, the lives uh, of these kids come through. Um, but, you know, that mountaintop experience, uh, of course, there's always that, too, you know, and uh, when 
you guys as youth ministers have to deal with that beyond our, our camp week, you know, and so I, I feel that. I feel that out there as well. Yeah. Gary, you want to speak to that? The camp high versus the, you know, the lasting difference that the Lord makes in someone's life and what they take from camp as they pull out on the, in the church van and leave the, the parking lot, you know, what, what's left and what, what kind of life change is happening? Yeah, Ashley, you know, we've experienced this together, both you and I and Thomas. I think of spiritual life as a series of moments. And a lot of times camp can be those unique moments in a student's life and even an adult sponsor's life that just helps to shape them and form them in the ways of Christ. So there are healthy healthy moments in there. There's also unhealthies. Um, as a camp pastor, one of the ones I struggle with most is Pastor Gary was so great last night. What was so strong? You made me cry. And I'm thinking, okay, what is it? What are you really saying right there? You know, and so, um, but emotions are a part of how we're designed. Um, just can we lean into those in a healthy way and see those in our life and walk in the ways of Christ and sort through tons of caffeine, a lot of candy, a lot of hormones, and four nights of no sleep. So, as communicators and leaders, you got to think through that as well, which always creates a unique dynamic at camp. Um, yeah, that's great, Gary. You you mentioned the caffeine. So I have never been on staff as a ch- at a church camp as y'all. I've been there as a youth pastor or a pastor or a student. But I God have always you. been I have always been amazed by the staff. Like it seems like if you work at a church camp, you are up at like six in the morning. And you go to bed about one in the morning, like, and they have all, I don't know how they do it all summer. Like, like, I really don't know how they do it. I mean, is that true? Like what I'm thinking, they're only getting three or four hours of sleep a night. How does that, is it even possible for a whole summer? Yeah, quite a few do do that. Um, That was always a struggle for me. There had to be some sense of healthiness. Um, I used to have this ridiculous phrase, I got to come into camp and game weight like I was an athlete, which I am not, you know, um, so there's had to be some sense of healthiness there in order to maintain because you do rock it. You go tremendously hard for me. It's not even those hours of no sleep. It's it's not our norm, whether you're introvert or extrovert, however you gain your energy to go from seven in the morning to 11 tonight in continual conversations and continual relational interaction. For me, that was always the most um, wearing on me time. And it doesn't mean it wore on me in a negative way, but man, it's just a lot you're shouldering and you're holding on to right there. And that's not my norm as an introvert. Yeah. yeah, you do. You do come in with that juice at the very beginning of the summer, too. Like, you know, you're pumped and ready as a counselor. Um, and for us, even for worship, you know, uh, most of the times whenever we were doing stuff, I, I always had new people that were playing with us. So on top of that schedule, we had to have late nights of rehearsal um, just to kind of pull off the night by night by night uh, situations. And so um, but, you know, it did wear on you towards the end of the summer. Um, but but definitely, um, you know, it was something that is a part of, of camp life. You know, I think when you walk in, um, if you're not introduced to that, you are, you have a rude awakening real fast. And then, um, everybody handles that differently. And so that, you know, that kind of determines the dynamic of that staff even, uh, for the summer, but it is, it's tough, man, for sure. Hey, you know, Ashley, that's where, I, that's where I first met Thomas late night. You remember Thomas, oh, North yeah. Greenville college. And um, I walked in the auditorium and the band is doing um, rehearsal and sound check, probably 1130 or 12 o'clock. 
And I remember sitting in the back. I talked to Thomas on the phone, but never face-to-face interaction. I knew there was going to be a height difference from 5'7 to 6'4. Um, but, man, we were late night hanging out. And I remember one of my greatest moments not only was meeting Thomas, but, man, just 12 a.m., 1 o'clock, those guys rehearsing, just soaking in what they were doing. So the hours are funky. And you've got well, to be able to understand those going in. Well, and, and you know, and, and, of course, a lot of people listen to this you know, they might not relate to that, but I mean, even just going as a student, but it's kind of like a week long lock-in, like, you know, students love lock-ins and they, they just kind of, you get a natural high. They just go and go and push and push. And probably when they get home, they just crash. I mean, you, just cause you get in your dorm room or, or wherever your bunkhouse at 11 at night doesn't mean usually they're not going to bed then. Um, I bet there's some late night student stories uh, just acting silly and oh probably a lot of stuff we couldn't even tell stuff that goes on in boys room oh no never this kids they go straight to bed bro yeah um, yeah and, and if we think about that for staff i think about that for students as well you know probably camp we hadn't gotten into the unhealthy parts of camp yet but unhealthy is probably for family relationships for the next mm-hmm. two or three days when they get home because oh, they're all yeah. worn out yeah. one of my right. favorite is a coffee shop at a camp and um, i'll never forget a student at 10 50 he ordered a four shot um, latte. So four shots of espresso is 1045. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> Oh my, I'm glad I have no part of that as one of their sponsors. <laughs> and so the kid takes off with his caffeine and his coffee. And I look at the barista and she said, I gave him all decaf, Gary. It was all decaf. It wasn't real <laughs> shots. I'm like, you go barista, you go, you know, it's so craziness. Hey, you know, going as a sponsor or a youth pastor, I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you what my secret was, and, and this was a lot of times frowned upon, but they would, you know, they want, if you're going off to activities and depending on the camp you go, it could be called a track time or a breakout thing. And dude, I went back to my room and took naps. Like, you know, I know that like, oh, we need you youth pastors taking pictures and with your kids and, and I, and, um, and, you know, and I'd be there for about 10 minutes so they could see me. And then I was, man, I was taking a nap. <laughs> so that's how I survived many a camps as an adult sneaking off and getting. So some of you, uh, some of you youth sponsors and people that are still working with the youth group now, that's my advice. You can make it just sneak off and take a nap. Um, and, you know, well, and that's part of, you know, the evolution from probably us going into the camp world at the beginning towards the end. Now there is actually, you know, thinking through the healthiness of it, um, times where, uh, us as a staff, uh, for camps create like this time for, for our counselors to actually get away, to get a nap or to have kind of some private time to get away because you, you really can't do that for, for six to 10 weeks, you know, nonstop. And so uh, that was some of the, you know, progression of seeing some of, the things we've learned from the old school days to what camp looks like today, you know? So, yeah. All right. So let's just get right into um, some, some stories. I mean, with each of you 30 plus years of camp experiences, surely you've got something funny you can tell us that you've seen through your years that, um, that, that our followers are going to relate to or think, Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that happened or, Oh yeah. Something like that very similar happened to me. Um, Thomas, you got any good stories? Well, one of mine would probably be um, uh, as um, my first year, uh, we were at North Greenville College when we were doing centrifuges. And um, the uh, the story that sticks out to me is at that time, um, uh, 
my band consisted of my girlfriend, but I couldn't tell anybody that <laughs> that summer because, you know, we had to be careful about, you know, just that we, you know, it was really about these kids in all reality. Um, but she's an amazing singer, um, songwriter. Um, and I, I just remember for us, um, she had a roommate. Okay, I'm going to go with this story. She had a roommate that was the Messy Games track leader. Ashley, you remember Messy Games, any? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> coming in with like eggs all over you and flour. And and so I would hear over and over again how um, she did not want to go into her room because it, it smelled like it was a 20-year-old baked oven of just nastiness. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, but her and, and that uh, friend Bethany Gaddis and, and Bethany and her got to be really tight and we still connect with her today. But uh, to me, that was just one of the funniest things is the, just the messy games that they did. Um, and then they would come in and nobody thinks about the showers and everything. Up, but that was that was part of the fun part for Dita, you know. You know, you talk about the showers. I have been in rooms <laughs> with middle school boys before. And after about day three, like, hey, guys, y'all got to take some showers. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, in one time, I don't know if we'll use this or not, we can edit it out, but I remember um, we were at camp and we had one kid um, that, you know, I don't know if he was showering and then he had went to, you know, you always do like a big Walmart run, your youth group, right when you first get there and everybody loads up and you got all this junk food in your room. And he had one of those big like jugs of the goldfish, the little crackers that we give our preschoolers. And, dude, man, that's all he ate. Like, he wouldn't eat in the cafeteria. And finally, our youth pastor was like, man, you're not going to poop for, like, a week if that's all you eat is those things. Um, so, yeah, the diet is not good. The hygiene is not good. And and then you throw some messy games on top of it. And, yeah, you're covered in flour and um, applesauce and chocolate sauce. And you're sweaty and there's eggs. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of us experience that. <laughs> However, I take the reverse side of that, um, and the reverse side would be a lot of hair gel, okay, uh, a lot of getting prepped for a worship evening so you look just right, students rocking that as well. I've never seen so much hair gel in my entire <laughs> life with students, man, um, and it's been years ago, Ashley. I do have a mustache for you podcasters, can't see mustache. I used to pass out mustache wax at camp. But I would only give it out to middle schoolers, Ashley. And I would say, who dreams of a mustache later in life? And I would pass out mustache wax. And it was two years ago. A young guy came up to me, and he was one of the adult sponsors. He like, hey, Gary, it's been seven years ago. I got a can of mustache wax from you, man. And I just grew my first stash this year. Nice. Uh, <laughs> those are camp camp moments that aren't spiritual in nature, but man, they're relational in nature. And uh, of course I said, you're not still using the same can, are you, man? I hope you got a new, you know, a new little tin of, of wax if you're waxing it up. And so um, I think of everybody taking care of themselves in a certain way. And once I say everyone, half or not, half or Axe spray, you know, I was going to say a lot of Axe body spray with those. Middle oh school my yeah. gosh. And eating <laughs> Funyuns and Doritos and mixing Funyuns. that together. It's a killer, baby. It's a killer. <laughs> Another one of my favorite moments too. Um, so talking about Christian music, um, we had the variety show. And so every, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, help me. Oh yeah. And so we had a, you know, a panel of our staff that would sit through probably hours of, 
auditions of the students coming through wanting to be the next Amy Grant or the next, you know, you fill in the blank there. So, um, but it never ceased to amaze me how it doesn't matter what, you know, because you're talking about churches from South Carolina, North Carolina, Louisiana, but you always each week had your boy's new song represented with Arise, My Love, or either <laughs> Carmen with, you know, Satan Bite the Dust. You know, you had the dramatic presentations. Yeah, of the champion. They're doing champion, that. and it's a boxing match. And yeah. The right. champion. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was funny for us. But, you know, because there are many times where we would all just look at each other like, here we go again, guys. Settle down. Here we go. And always giving them the biggest smile. Like, that's the first time we've ever seen that, you know. Uh, so, your, inner, your inner smile. Simon Cowell never came out during those moments, did it, Thomas? No, I, I, I would not be Simon Cowell. We had some Simon Cowells on the team that we had to kind of chill down a little bit, but, you know, it happened. You know, <laughs> Thomas, Thomas is a lover of humanity. See, when you go there, I think of 90s music combined with creative movement. All right? <laughs> yeah. And so that's where my mind, I'm going turn, turn. If I hear that one more time of everybody turning around. Um, turn, oh, yeah, turn around, around. that, that yeah. one. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen that skit or a part of it a hundred times. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, at least. But those are great memories. You know, it's just it's just you didn't think you were going to have it in three rehearsals, 10 weeks in a row, 30 times, you know. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So two, two, two churches fighting about which one's going to do it, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, that Can you fantastic. join together? That is fantastic. Um, yeah, the interpretive movement, we talk a lot about that in, in, um, at mixtape theology, we make fun of that, you know, when I, in the nineties, I mean, we were doing the hand, we would learn sign language to for him songs or, you know, I, I mean, I, me and my wife, actually, this happened three nights ago. Um, there was a Michael W. Smith song in the mid nineties. He redid the Lord's prayer and it's as it is in heaven and my youth group we learned the signs to that. And so, so, and so my wife and I, well, we've got an eight year old. I said, Alexa, play Michael W. Smith as it is in heaven. And 25 years later, me and my wife nailed it, man. We were our no. father, you know, and my daughter oh, was my. like, what is going on in this living room? And we laughed so hard. Yeah. It was good. Memory. I'm trying to weave through the great adventure right now with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Cause that was one. I, I have no idea what year that was. That's a, Tons that's, of years that's about ago. 91. That's one okay. of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember doing that. I, I just went and saw his two sons colony house a couple weeks ago, but I can remember doing camp with his sons before they were colony house. They were called Caleb. Okay. And I'll never forget one of the worst moments of a youth minister's life. He said to Will and Caleb of Caleb, Stephen Curtis kids. Hey, can you do some of your dad's songs instead of your own Ooh. stuff? And I'm like, oh my, come on, buddy. He's like, like the great adventure. I'm like, oh my, great song, but we're not rocking it right here in 2015, my brother. You know, and so. Hey, uh, I can tell you, my partner Rachel Cash, she'll she'll take great offense to what you just said there. So. Do will she? Oh my. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I thought you said, when you said hands, I thought you were going to go to handbells at camp. Oh, I've like, never seen handbells at camp. That would be like, more like handbells. 1970s, right? Yeah, yeah that's, when, that's when the youth minister has left the church and the music pastor is now filling in and he brought the handbells in the <laughs> bottom of the bus and pulled those babies out. Yeah, oh, I've about experienced this. that before. Yeah. Great. Oh, my. Okay. So, Gary, what about... Um, 
you got any great stories of something goofy you saw a kid do or an experience that that comes to comes to your mind thinking about this? So many, Ash. I'm trying to think of some that you can stay in. Um, one of my favorite terrible good moments was um, before a service. Normally, about midway through, um, I'll roll to the back if I can find a mirror or in the restroom just to make sure my mic is on correctly. It's just my OC moment, Ashley, where I want to make sure it's on correctly. I'll put a couple of pieces of tape around, and I walked in the guy's restroom, and some guys were in there chatting. This is not going to make it. I know it. No, it's not. And so they're saying, man, it's been an amazing, amazing week. And one guy said, man, I came to follow Christ this week. And the other guy said, really? What happened? So he told about um, how he'd exchanged his story um, for God's story and given his life to Christ. And I'm I'm just putting my mic on. I'm thinking, this is great. And then all of a sudden, I see a hand go underneath the stall. And one of the guys, Ashley, says, give me five. <laughs> And I'm like, this really is like gonna students are talking to each other in the two stalls and they're giving the each stalls, other. So they're the sitting stalls. on the toilet so talking. They're about I, their spiritual I'm just journey. looking in the mirror, put tape on my and I turned around. Another guy said, right, here's your five. And then the other guy said, give me one back. And I just walked out of the restroom, man, thinking, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. They come to know Christ. But they just low fived while they were sitting on the toilets, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll never ever forget that moment and you know i didn't even want to stay to see who they were i didn't want to know who they were you know but that's one of my greatest moments ever at camp i know it's not going to make the cut but it's a good one no i I think that might make the cut we get a little risky here and i think that's it's gonna be hard not to use that man oh my gosh uh ridgecrest north carolina um great great moment man in Aspen, they call it. Thomas has done many in the evening playing in Aspen in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Thomas, you got any more good stories you can think of, memories? Uh, I, I had one I was teetering on, but I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think I'm good. So. <laughs> Gary, any more that you, any, anything? Oh, man, I could think about it for me. Thomas, think about it for yourself. And I shared this one with Ashley. I was at a camp in Arkansas and they collected all the food for the entire week and they threw it in a big, big barrel. And then they would throw apples in there and you would bob for apples. Most disgusting thing I'd ever seen in my life. (laughs) And I can't do that stuff. I'm OC. I got stomach issues. And the youth leader is threatening me. He's like, Gary, you're the camp pastor. You've got to do this. You've got to be an example for the students. And I said, biblically, these two do not go together, brother. Man, I'm not bobbing for apples. And he started letting into me a little bit, like, you got to do that. So I did. I bobbed for apples, came out of there, had an apple, went to the side of the stage and just spewed all over everywhere. (laughs) Never in my entire life that I experienced such. And so when I think of crazy, funky camp moments, uh, that one stands out to me as well. Um, that is a youth pastor that I keep up with. And whenever I'm in a city, I make him buy me lunch every time I go through there for that um, bobbing for apple moment. Um, do remember, go ahead. Thomas. I, I do remember rainy day wreck um, activities when you talk about the funk and, and I was just like, Oh snap. Whenever it was going to rain and we knew we had a rainy day wreck um, there, there would be an activity that they would do where um, they would, 
create a shoe pyramid. And so they had to take their shoes off and put them all together in a big old pile and create a shoe pyramid. And um, to me, that was always not one of my favorites because can you imagine how that room smelled um, whenever, whenever we were going through that? I was like, ah! You know, some people we've learned, like as we've uh, interacted with some of our followers, some people like love all the, the youth group games and like some people, like that is the most traumatizing part of their time as a student in like a youth group, like the games, they can't stand them. Like <laughs> they're like trying to hide and the peer pressure to be in the game. And um, yeah, it's, you know, been a while since I've done student ministry, but, but through talking people my age and a little younger, some of them loved it. And some of them would have walked in and seen that shoe pile and thought, Get me out of this place. <laughs> and and then, the, then the debriefing after that, Ashley, a crazy, wacky game. And then the question is, how does this relate to your walk in the ways of Jesus? And you're like, what? Did we just not stack nasty shoes up? Okay. Let me see if I can think about how this relates to my spiritual life right now. Right. We do if laugh you, can, about if you that. can have a spiritual application, then it's okay to do the game, right? Yeah, yeah. it's true. It is true. It is true. And I think about another one that relates to adults and staff as well, because you want to interact with students. Um, many of the camps Thomas and I would do life at, we use the phrase life change takes place best in the context of relationships, in the context of relationships. And we would really believe that. However, many times students um, would have a closing hour, 11 o'clock, they got to be in their rooms. And students at 10.55 would want to talk through their life at that moment in time. And I could think of a hundred times where I have to say to the student, okay, um, do you have two minutes right now or can we meet for breakfast tomorrow morning? And their youth leader would be like, why do they wait till 10.55? Mm-hmm. Which it's normative for the 90s and today for students to just really engage in that way, which is always pretty funny to me, um, yeah. which relates to the emotional sense of things as well. Yeah. All right, and I'll share this one to you. Um, so, during, I mean, we're talking about music, right? Worship and everything. And so, oh, you yeah. know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we like to get hype, and you know, I might do some fun songs, and and the kids, you know, especially the earlier days. But uh, I remember when mosh pits were super popular and stage diving was super popular, and uh, oh, and so no. I remember just the kids were at front of the stage, and we're just, you know, we're doing some fun Crowder song or something, and before you know it. Um, I see this kid jump on the stage and he's just like looking at the crowd and you can just see the rock and roll hands up in the, in the sky. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the kid, you know, the kids are all looking at him like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he turns around and then he takes this leap off the stage. And then it was like the red sea parted. Like people just went, Stoop! and he, and he's jumping off of a six foot platform and lands straight down on his back. Um, he's fine. He gets up though, and his feelings were so hurt. He was looking at everybody like, "What happened? What happened?" And so I remember just that that I was tripping when that happened. I felt really bad, but I was like, "Dude, no stage up. We had said that already." But um, that was yeah, that was one of the one I, of I the most this, you know I think crazy. The same moments thing happened to uh, Jack Black in School of Rock. Something very similar. To that. Yeah, <laughs> that is great. So now, Thomas, you mentioned, so you and your wife, Dita, who I know and, um, you know, also was part of camp all those years with you. So did y'all meet at camp? 
No, we didn't. We okay. we actually met in college. So okay. we met at college and then we started different shades of red um, during that time. Remember that? Thanks for the shout out there. And then um, and we we were doing uh, summer camps uh, at, at that time for South Carolina Baptist Convention. Um, it was a camp called uh, Summer Salt, and we were part of that um, for a while. But uh, we we were later on brought on to be a band at Centrifuge together, um, which was pretty amazing. So, yeah. You know, I wonder if maybe some of our followers could let us know if you are out there listening to this and you actually met your current spouse at camp and are married, that would be really fun to know. You know, as a when I was a youth pastor on any mission trip, for sure, and usually at camp, you know, one of my rules were um, if you are in a relationship with somebody from our trip, do not break up on this trip. And if and if you are not in a relationship, you're not going to find your spouse on this trip. Don't enter into a new one. So don't don't end the one you're <laughs> in and don't start a new one. And and I could say that a hundred times, it didn't matter. They were still going to break up or they're still going to hook up with a new, you know, camp boyfriend or girlfriend. And uh, I guess that's just kind of part of it, unfortunately. <laughs> Gary knows why I'm laughing at him. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm keeping quiet on this actually because that is where I met my wife. And oh, there you go! I didn't know that. Okay, coming up in January, we'll be married for um, fourteen years. I'm kidding, thirty years. Okay, <laughs> and um, yeah, man, she she just walked in the room where I am. She won't want me to tell her. She would not leave me alone at camp, man. It was crazy. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, I had a good friend that was the camp director. I was a camp pastor. And he said, Gary, how long has it been since you've had a date? I said, about three years. Did you have years. the hair gel going and stuff? I did. I had hair gel and I had hair at that point in time. He said, there's a young lady that's here for you. She has blonde hair, blue eyes. She's carrying a Bible, hanging out with students. And most importantly, Gary, she's shorter than you. I think you need to introduce yourself. And so I did. And she didn't give me the time of day. It was really pretty cool, though. She was all about students. She was all about the things of God. And she was all about camp that week. And um, we we just chatted a little bit at camp. And then we rocked a long distance relationship um, for a good length of time um, before we um, really continued the relationship in a really, really intense way, in a healthy way, and then got married. So, man, that was us 30 years ago. That's crazy to think about. Or from camp over almost 31 years ago. So, All right. So here's the lesson to be learned, even for me and for you youth pastors and listeners out there. Despite what the negative voices will say, true love can be found at camp. You're a living, uh, you know, you're living proof, I guess. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can't hey, tell but, you, but I can tell you never, a million breakups, though, too. I can I tell just a million. Say, <laughs> I say, our counselors never did and broke up in the middle of camp. <laughs> oh, I haven't even thought about that. The counselors yeah. oh, having yeah. crushes uh-huh. on each other. I guess that that wasn't oh, an element no. that I wouldn't even. And they probably yeah. had to keep that secret or the students, sh- you know, like so. Oh, um, yeah, we'll just but keep you can that always there. Tell. But I bet there's a lot of stories uh, with that. Yeah, that's, kind a, of that stuff. that's a whole nother podcast, Ashley. That is another <laughs> podcast. That's relationships at camp forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, you know, as far as the things that, that we do right, or you guys did right, you know, obviously the relationships, um, you know, the incredible worship experiences, uh, really getting kids in God's word. I mean, f- 
you know, you, you get kids studying the Bible every day in prayer. I mean, some of them have never done anything like this in their life. I mean, God definitely shows up when you start focusing on his word. I mean, those are some of the really good things about camp. Um, what are some things that, you know, maybe we've learned through the years or you can think something we did 20 or 25 years ago, Thomas, I know you, you mentioned, you know, letting, letting people get a little rest, but anything that, that you did back in the day that you're like, why did we do that? Or maybe it's evolved. Has camp evolved over the last 30 years? would say yeah i would say absolutely um and part of it uh, is once again the rest factor but um you know even just some of the the games like we talked about some of the games that you did you know during that time that now you know obviously we're living in a covid generation um so it's a different story there but like what in the world were we thinking with you know some of the stuff that we did um like you know um, as Gary talked about with the the bobbing for apples, but I'm thinking through uh, some of the messy game stuff that we did as well. Um, and, and so I would say, yeah, that has changed a lot. Um, and then, you know, I think we're just better, you know, strategically now um, that we're able to back and see where we've messed up, where we've kind of um, just burnt people out because it, it is a week of just burning out and then um, and there's no recovery time. And so creating those opportunities for people to have recovery time has been been there. And then also, um, you know, when you're at camp, you don't think of this element a lot when you're on staff, but spiritually, you know, you're pouring out, you're pouring out, you're pouring out. Um, earlier in the days, we were pouring out, and there was hardly not much pouring back into. And so um, I think through uh, things like like Fuge has done that, like, you know, they'll do a Christmas week, which is basically a week where the staff um, is actually pouring into each other with scripture, um, w- with gifts, and just some different things like that. And then they actually get away and do a retreat. I thought that was really a strong way for you to keep camp morale um, together um, and your relationships fresh um, as well as just some rest there as well. So that's one of the things I think of. What about you? Yeah, Gary? Actually, has, camp, has camp evolved? Is it, is it better? Yeah. What have we learned? I love how um, Thomas says strategically, I think intentionality um, of students learning healthy rhythms of walking in the ways of Christ at camp and how they can look in their daily lives when they get back home. But even more than that, I think about leadership, how they come alongside students in those rhythms and that it, they come alongside well at camp, but really process into how do they do that in a normal rhythmic way um, when they head back home. That's for me has been um, the evolution of that. It's not just based on the platform. It's not just based on fun, not just based on how many apples that we've gotten out of a um a bin that's, you know, full of junk for the entire week, but really what are those rhythms and what do they look like? And biblically, not just looking at things in a small way, but looking at them kingdom minded. What does this mean for us as kingdom participants um, in God's family Mm -hmm. and for students to really, really grow in that overarching purpose of what it means to be in God's mission. Sometimes I think in the younger days, we were so small focused and we can only do so much. Um, but as a friend of Thomas and I, who did, we did many years of camp with James Teeley would say, James would say, you can't do everything, 
but we can't just not do anything at all either. We've got to really be engaged, purpose oriented. We've got to be a sense of belonging. We've got to be in community and let's do this together. Those are the things that I've seen intentionality with students and then resources for students coming out. Um, and just the engagement in that, um, Right. I still keep up with a lot of students, Ashley, as crazy as that is over the years. And I know Thomas does as well. Um, There's nothing. Still, more, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Thomas. I was just going to say to that, you know, it, it is really kind of a just a rewarding moment when you have a kid that comes up to you. And, you know, it's like 10 years later, 12 years later, 15 years later. And um, and they say, man, you, we remembered when we were at camp with you. Um, and it wasn't about us. It was really, really about what the Lord was doing um, in their hearts during that time. But they said, you know, that summer uh, was the, the summer that my life changed and I, I became a different person. Um, and so I, I love that, Gary. Well, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, as I was listening to what you were saying, Gary, just kind of my heart as a pastor, I mean, ultimately it's about, you know, great commission discipleship, like disciple making that, you know, maybe you help people find those connections at camp, but it doesn't matter if you have five kids in your youth group or you go back home to a Megan church, you know, the kingdom is not about how big your church is. It's about one-on-one relational pouring into somebody else. And, you know, I mean, even as a pastor, it's more than what we do on Sunday mornings. It's those disciple relationships. Um, I've heard, seen, you know, and talked to youth pastors, maybe from smaller churches that sometimes the lure of, all right, we got to go back home and we don't have a praise band and lights and crazy games. And what do you expect us to do? But man, if you are loving your kids and pouring into them, they will respond to that even more yes. than just a week of lights and, and hyped up music. And I love the lights and the hyped up music and the, you know, the incredible speakers like a, you know, like a Gary Morgan. Um, but just being intentional in your relationships, man, we all need that. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter your church size or whether you're at camp or not. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. What about one thing? Too, go ahead. I'm sorry. Actually, one, one thing too, that I feel like um, has been, uh, talking about intentionality again, something that I've seen over the years, um, especially being a part of uh, Barefoot Republic, is just the the relationships um, and cross cultural relationships, diversity. Yeah. Like the church, I feel like diversity is um, camps are way more diverse and purposely trying to be more diverse now because our world is more. You know, it's not more diverse, but we're more aware of that now. And so I, I just I, I see that as well. I, we were a part of that with Fuge where they said, hey, how do we how do we become more like the like heaven? How do we look like heaven? How do we make this mm. place like heaven? And then and for Barefoot, how, you know, what other camps are out there that are purposely um modeling racial reconciliation. Um, there aren't many, but I, I think through Barefoot, what other churches and uh, what other camps are starting to look in and do uh, is become aware of that. And and I, for me, I, I went to a camp one time and it was with the Southern Baptist Church, but I was the only African-American there, you know, <laughs> and so I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, snap, you know. And um, and so for, for me now to look at what camp looks like compared to when I started, uh, you know, be something years ago, um, I've seen, uh, you know, relationships um, flourish and I've seen the wall of racism fall through the body of Christ through church camps, which is pretty amazing. Oh, fantastic thought. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
those who out there are listening to this, finding those, you know, places where you could be intentional and be a part of the exact same thing that Thomas is talking about. Um, I love that. Um, and so, yeah, I love it. Great. Um, so let's, um, you know, let's end on this, you know, so, you know, we think about the last night of camp and and just the tears. Now, did any of y'all back in the day, of course, maybe this is more of a mission trip thing. Did you ever end camp with friends or friends forever? <laughs> um, the one camp that I went to uh, in 90, whatever, what that was, um, that was my first introduction to friends forever michael w smith and us and actually it wasn't camp it was a ski trip we're on the bus and and all of a sudden everybody breaks out in this song and starts crying and i'm like what's going on here you know the dream god planted well everybody's crying the snot's flying yeah right and let me say this too you know during that time my 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 early years of high school, I was not a believer. I didn't become a, a believer until tenth grade, and so I listened to hip hop, man. I was listening to like Easy and and DOC and just some really rough stuff during that time. Big Daddy Kane, LL Cool J, and so um, I, once I started uh, growing and 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 my understanding and knowledge of God, um, my friends started bringing me Christian rap so that I could kind of like transition out of that stuff and so they they brought me christian rap and um during that same time of friends forever and all that kind of stuff they brought me dc talk um and they bought brought me carmen mm. <laughs> i was like this is not rap guys i'm sorry but but uh but th- that was just the beginning of me understanding you know what what it looks like uh to put some of the you know the rough stuff that i listened to away mm. and it was a, it was an entry it was a gate entry for me but um but through that you know that's when i was introduced to michael w smith and and amy grant and stephen curse chapman and, um bb and cc winans uh the, the katinas even and and so i thought there was some hope for some good music from Christians. <laughs> Gary, what about you? Do you have any um, friends or friends forever experiences? Yeah, I think that was before my time, man. Um, no, you know, I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. Yes. My, my friends and friends experience is not in a worship service, but walking down the hall and in each church group devotion on last night, Right. Them playing that song, Ashley. Right. And and me going, oh, my, I've got to get out of this building quick. You know, <laughs> I, I I really can't. I'm thinking right now, Jackson, Tennessee, walking through Union University, through a hall. It's the end of the week. And um, in almost each church group devotion, them playing that, um, which is pretty funny to think about now. However, it did give a great foundation and really does have great lyrics in the song. A great foundation of togetherness. I mean, students had a sense then, as they do now, what it means to be, what it means to have given their life to Christ, that one of those things about us that we are family Mm. and that we are together and that we can cross different barriers together and we can hold true to the word of God together. And so those are great moments in camp. I think the great struggle is how do we do that when we come out of there, um, out of camp setting, and that we continue to set up um, intentional biblical rhythms and healthiness in order to do that. But students love leaning that, and youth leaders as well, you know. Um, So those are great moments. Yeah. As funky as they were, they they Mm -hmm. really, really were good. 
Well, I want to thank um, Thomas Rose and Gary Morgan for for meeting me and us having this conversation today. It has been a blast. I hope you, our listeners, have enjoyed this journey to camp and have enjoyed some of these stories. Maybe they've brought up some good memories that you experienced. Maybe maybe this caused you to just call somebody up from the old youth group and say, man, remember when this happened? Um, you know, sometimes it's just fun to talk uh, and, and reminisce and, and just think about how the Lord used things such as church camp in our lives. Um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on this Mixtape Theology podcast. It's been a great time, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless. Thanks, Ashley, Thomas, and listeners. It's been a great moment, great time together. Keep camping. The Mixtape Theology Podcast is part of the NRT Podcast Network. Find more Christian music-related podcasts at newreleasetoday.com.